Well, uh, good morning. Really glad you're here. And um, we're going to take some time this morning to do something a little bit uh, out of the ordinary. And uh, we're, we're going to spend some time talking about our mission uh, to Guatemala back in November. And so I'm going to invite the first three team members to come join me on the stage. And uh, while they're coming, just let me give you a little bit of background. We did our first mission trip to uh, Guatemala in uh, January of 2014, and then we uh, decided uh, we'd do it again. And we went in November of 16, and then again in November of 18. And uh, so it's over these three trips, we've had 36 different people from faith community who've been a part of these missions, which just blows my mind for the size of, of our church. And, and it's, you know, it's, have you noticed it's not convenient to get anywhere from here? Have you noticed that? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, but we've done what's necessary and we've built this really uh, significant uh, relationship with the people there uh, in Guatemala. What we do is a medical mission. That's our primary purpose of this, of this trip. Uh, utilizing a core team of medical professionals and then a number of people kind of playing support roles, rounding out the team. Uh, so this past uh, trip in 2018, in November, we had um, a doctor and a PA and five nurses, five nurses or six nurses? Six nurses and a pharmacist and I think seven team members with no business doing anything medical at all. And uh, no medical experience or credentials uh, who were willing to serve anywhere that we were needed. So that included things like counting pills and counting a few vitamins and helping to fill prescriptions, uh, taking weights and measurements and triage, uh, scribing notes for the doctors in the clinic, uh, in some cases even giving injections, right Bill? And uh, yeah, I know, yeah, you're like, really? Yeah, I know. Uh, and, uh, and of course playing with the kids, just tons of interaction with the kids. Um, we started meeting as a team. We did our info meeting last January. So just be ready in about a year's time. We're going to talk about our next mission. Uh, but we started last January talking about this trip. And then we, once we kind of figured out who was on board and where the commitments were, we started meeting as a team for the purpose of getting to know each other. We didn't all know each other at well, in some cases not really at all before this trip. And so we spent some time really intentionally through the spring and summer uh, getting to know one another in those settings. Um, Every team member uh, made some level of sacrifice for this experience. This was hardly a vacation, although it required some of them to take vacation time. So think about that. Every one of them paid $2,000 out of their own pockets for this experience. We didn't do fundraising in the church. We did a few uh, continental breakfasts like we like to do. That's just a reason for us to get together to eat. Come on, let's be honest. But you were extremely generous, and that helped with some of those extra things like baggage fees and that kind of stuff. Um, but I just think that's, uh, that's a pretty significant investment. Um, most of the people had to take, a time, take time off work and use some vacation time. Um, several of our team members left spouses and, and kids behind, and I know that sounds like a vacation to you. Uh, but I, I acknowledge the, the sacrifice on the part of the families that, uh, that stayed home too. And so I want to just before, I want to say thank you to those of you who stayed home and kept things running at home and made sure the kids were fed and dressed and showed up for school. That's important. So thank you. Uh, we left for this mission on uh, November 3rd, right? Is that right? November 3rd? And uh, returned on the 11th. 
we, uh, we've taken some time to get settled back in, and typically we would have done this in December, but uh, some of us were traveling, and it just didn't work out, and then we're on top of Christmas, so we decided let's bump it into January, and then a couple weeks ago we were supposed to have done this, and we got, ended up canceling church for weather. So here we are today, and then we had, a, we had to coordinate schedules with six or seven medical people, and so uh, that's not always predictable. So this was the day. So. Uh, we met together as a team uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and just to share stories and uh, we'd had a couple months to process and uh, that was just really meaningful to kind of hear how uh, God used that experience in each of our lives. Uh, we looked at some pictures, we just took some time to reconnect. You spend, you spend months getting to know each other, you spend eight or nine intense days in each other's space and then you don't see each other except for on Sundays and so uh, that, was, that was nice to reconnect. I invited anyone who wanted to share anything in the service to, to do that. And so that's really what we're going to do uh, this morning. So for the rest of our time here, um, before the band comes back at the top of the hour to lead us in some music, uh, I want you to hear from our team. And just before Courtney kicks it off, and the microphone is right next to you, and I think it is, I don't know if it's in the on position or not, but um, I'll make sure you're good to go. Um, I wanted to make sure you understand before she starts that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of you. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's scary. <laughs> I want to make sure you understand a lot of what we're going to say today has some pretty serious undertones, okay? Uh, but it wasn't all serious all the time. Right, Doug? And uh, I don't know how, it's, it, I want to share some of that with you, but it really doesn't kind of, you know, when you have a, you had to be there kind of thing. So, but um, each time we've done this trip, we discovered on our very first trip that uh, there were certain uh, things that were said that uh, out of context were maybe even funnier. And so they, we, we just kept those in front of each other and uh, we put them in a photo album and, and just keep reminding each other that somebody said this, it might have been you kind of thing. So I took notes of some of the things that were heard. And, and I'm just going to offer no context and not, you don't have to know who said it, but the first one that stands out to me was this one, that my ear holes are big. <laughs> it's helpful information. This one, my toilet paper is your toilet paper. <laughs> the voices in my head don't usually cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> this is my, one of my favorites. Hashtag wait, I forgot my pastor was in the van. <laughs> Be very careful, yes. There's a whole category that are Doug quotes. Doug's sitting right over here. It's his second trip with us. And uh, we made a connection with Doug a couple years ago through uh, Michelle uh, Mitchell. And it's just been a, it's, this relationship's been a God thing for all of us. And um, you may appreciate his humor, you may not. It is polarizing. <laughs> It's a take it or leave it kind of thing. Most of us learn to like it. Um, the first one I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say in church. So I was going to put it on the screen, but I didn't get around to it. So you know what? I'm just going to say it anyway. And I'm, I'm not, this is not my words. I'm quoting Doug, just so you know. So don't, no emails or nothing to me. Just you can find Doug out there on social media somewhere. You got something to say to him. Take it up with Doug. But this one, and I don't have the context, but dumbass gringos riding in the back of a truck. I... <laughs> That found its way back into the conversation many times through the week. Um, get a nice smear on your bagel. That, um, again, I don't know what exactly what that means. Mouth-breathing window lickers. 
Don't look at anybody, but every family needs a bagger. <laughs> and then this one, we might have a picture of this one. I wanted to, fit, I wanted to hit those desserts hard. So, and just so you know, he did. So um, anyway, that's, um, yeah. we had a lot of laughs and uh, a lot of really intensely uh, challenging moments as well. So Courtney's going to start us off and uh, share some of her story. I've asked them all to kind of prepare their notes. So uh, we kind of have a direction to where we're going. So uh, Courtney, get us started. All right. And I feel like next time if, if Doug goes, we need to write them all, all the hashtags, because we thought of writing them down like almost to the end of the trip. And there are so many hashtag quotes from Doug. We need them. Um, okay. Um, when I sat down to write my piece to share, I was overcome with so many emotions again. I have wanted to go on a mission trip for a very long time, but never really felt that I had a group to go with. I have been a nurse for over 12 years and have worked in various areas, but I still had the pull to do something greater. When I heard the presentation for the 2016 trip to Guatemala, listening to Mariah and Carrie and the others, I was totally in. I was sure that this was what I was meant to do and this was my calling. Um, being a very, very shy person, I know I had a lot of fear to overcome and I had a lot to commit to, but I took the plunge. My story is basically about like journaling the time as we were there. Um, I was very nervous as the time got closer and the last few meetings were had. The night we packed all the suitcases, I was like, okay, it's here soon. I'm really doing this. Um, and like a lot of people have said, I didn't want to go in with expectations. I have never really gone on a trip alone, let alone with no family. Um, but I had peace knowing that I was going with close friends and my church family. I was excited, I was excited to get to know the remainder of the team as well. Travel day went really well, and before we knew it, we were in Guatemala City. So many emotions again. I was a little scared and didn't know what to expect. I only heard stories of the past trips, and I thought there was going to be a line of rifled guards sitting there pointing guns at us, but that wasn't the case. Um, we met Gustavo, and we settled into the vans, packed everything, which took quite a while because it was like pack mules, just trying to pack everything into these two vans and a truck, I think. Um, when we got to the seminary for the night, I was so scared that I, I would accidentally flush toilet paper down the toilet. Some of you might not know, you can't flush the toilet paper. You have to do your business and then put it in the trash can, um, which some of us accidentally flushed, but it's okay. <laughs> some of us scooped it out. <laughs> I won't say who. Um, I was also scared that I would put my toothbrush under the running water because you couldn't even do that. Um, I did do that once, but quickly poured my bottled water on it because I didn't want to get sick. Um, the next day, um, we traveled to our Chickamula Hotel, Hotel Hernandez, and it was becoming surreal. I was very excited but anxious to get to the first clinical day and really know what they entailed. Um, we got our room assignments. I was with Nikki and Melissa, and when we got to our room, there was only two beds. Um, Melissa had a little tiny twin bed, and Nikki and I here had a full-size bed. Whatever. We were, we're good friends. We'll deal with it. There was, there was air conditioning, so yeah. I was very happy. And I didn't see any bugs, so we were, we were fine. Um, on the first clinical day, I was very anxious, but also very excited. We took a long, bumpy van ride, about an hour's drive, most of it up a very bumpy, bumpy mountain. And I did not get sick up, but I was the token person that got sick on the way back. Um, 
the views were breathtaking and when we arrived to the first clinic we had to walk away because the road was washed out and when we got closer um, we saw mostly kids everywhere running around um, excited to see us then we had to walk down this very very steep rocky path holding all these hundred pound I feel suitcases um, which you know we did but it was they were heavy and it was very very hot because we were the furthest up the mountain that day um, but I was also kind of excited because I looked over and I saw these plants and it was Bill that pointed out oh those are coffee plants and to me I they looked they were big red berries and I really had no, no expectations what coffee looked like so that was that was neat to see um, for the first day I was in triage, myself and another nurse um, started. I really didn't know what I was doing, but it seemed like the other nurse um, was going to pave my way. We each had a translator. Um, they were both locals from Chickamula. Mine, was, her name was Amy, and she was a hairdresser. Um, it took a while to get the swing of things. We had to weigh everyone. Um, the older people got blood pressures if felt warranted, and then everyone got worm pills. And it came apparent very soon that um, a lot of their problems were due to worms, the bloating, the, um, the belly pains. It was either worms or dehydration that I felt um, a lot of the people had. Um, the first day when the team broke for lunch, we were eating, and all of the tribe members were outside and I found it very hard to eat or drink around them and we ended up shutting the doors. Um, I literally, I think I only saw in the four clinic days we had, I only saw one person drinking anything and it was a child about two years old and it was coffee. Their bottle was filled with coffee. So these people never ate or drank around us unless um, we did bring oranges a couple times and they were eating those but it was it was very hard for me to eat and drink around them knowing that they had um, nothing to eat or drink. Um, a lot of these people couldn't even afford rice or beans to eat. Basically their nutrition came from corn and what minimal vegetables they grew. Um, we saw chickens and pigs and a cow but they were there was no meat on them. There was nothing for these people to eat. And like I said, all of them drank coffee, which a lot of them had um, acid reflux issues. Um, as I wrote this, I wrote down two very personal stories and ended up deleting them um, because it was too emotional. I was crying just writing it, so I know I couldn't write it down. Some of the stories were just for us that experienced it. Um, but I loved watching the children. All of the children had big brown eyes and almost all of them dimples. Um, they were all so curious. Um, I loved watching Abby with the kids. She, her and Melissa, I feel, were the token people to hang out and play with the kids. They were so great with them. Um, Abby, one of my favorite parts was when Abby, it was the first clinical day, she was giving out gum, I think, and the kids were almost like attacking her to get the gum. And I have this picture and her face is just priceless. It, I had to go in and swoop in and kind of separate them. Um, and another one of my favorite memories was the last clinical day when I got to be out of the clinic and actually go out with um, Melissa. And we were, Melissa was giving out stickers and she was trying to teach, help them with their English, but also they were teaching her Spanish. She would hold, hold up a sticker and ask the child how to say the color. And if they said it correctly, I gave them a Twizzler. 
um, and the older teenager boys were behind her, kind of um, egging her on and calling her Gringa Blanca, white girl basically. Um, so that was really fun, and one of the most memorable children that we saw, his name was Little Saul. I think everyone on the team has a picture of him. He basically strolled, he was five, he basically strolled into the clinics, and it was, it was his clinic. He was there to explore everything, to be held by everyone. He just had these huge dimples and his little plastic boots. Um, we eventually had to get Gustavo to kick him out because he was getting into the medical supplies. And one of my favorite pictures, too, is of Gustavo giving him the dad look, like, okay, get out of here. Um, I looked forward every night to coming home after clinicals and getting back to the hotel, kind of debriefing and having the group dinners. The food was amazing. Um, I found it really neat. There was a huge lime tree in the back of Sammy's yard, the house where we ate and they would just go and pick the um, fresh limes for our dinners to put on. There was a lot of citrus flavors in a lot of the food, and the food was amazing. I was nervous before we left that I wouldn't um, eat very much because I'm not picky, but I was scared that I would get sick, but I, I ate everything. Um, another hard part for me was when we were at the clinics, um, we couldn't understand everything they were saying, and that was hard for me. I took six years of Spanish, but that was over long time ago. Um, and one of my most memorable moments, I would say, would be watching Isabella. She was with one of the providers, Roger, most of the time, acting as, as a translator and a nurse. She would have fluid conversations with, the, with these people and relay us the stories. But you know that that was only um, a shortened version of their stories, and we were missing a lot of what was said. But that was okay. Those moments were for them to share together. I loved watching her interact and it saddened me to see her anguish and despair in her eyes and her voice with some of the cases. We are all moved by the stories, but Izzy heard them clearly, understood every little sad thing that we could not hear or understand. It was heartbreaking watching her struggle so. We all felt it and grieved with her. It was crushing to know that these people literally have nothing, nothing. They have no resources. Their only little bit of hope was us that day anything little that we could do for them, whether it was just playing with them, giving them Tylenol, um, anything. We wanted to give them everything, but could not. I feel so blessed that I was able to have this experience. I went of, out of my comfort zone, made new friends, and deepened the friendships I had. And most of all, I was able to serve God and deepen my faith. I truly feel blessed to be given this opportunity and look forward to serving these amazing people again. Awesome. So I did like Courtney, and re, you know I wrote everything down. I dug deep into my heart and my soul, and I cried and cried and cried. So I deleted all that too, um, and I just took a different approach because I'm hoping I can get through it without crying this way. And I just said, you know, where do you see God? For anyone that doesn't know me, my name's Nikki. I live here in Ellsworth with my daughter Taylor. I'm a mom, a daughter, a friend, and I'm a nurse. But none of that's relevant to why we're all here today. I joined an amazing group of Christians from this area and abroad to serve our Lord in Guatemala this past November. It was just about a year ago now that our church was talking about repeating the mission trip and opened up discussion for any who may think about participating. I had watched several of my closest friends go and return and felt inspired by their stories that they returned with, like many of you here did today as well. There really wasn't even a conscious thought behind if I wanted to go and to serve with the team. I felt from deep within that I actually had to. 
that for whatever reason I needed to find a way to save up the money, the vacation time, arrange for childcare. I mean, the list of things that I needed to do to pull it off was going to be long, but none of it was optional. I had to do it. Our team members all made a commitment to the mission, to you guys as the church members, to each other, to God, and to the people that we would soon encounter. As part of my commitment, I accepted the responsibility of allowing Christ to work through me as he saw fit, to serve others with his love. Throughout many of the discussions prior to leaving and while we were there, the concept of where we saw God in that day would come up. Many would talk of the generosity of the Valdez family, the selfless actions of the precious children as they help care for their parents or even their other siblings, or how our team, who barely knew each other, were all just figuring it out and working together without even thinking about it. I could relate to all of these observations as well, but I didn't need to travel outside of Hancock County to see and appreciate our God. I see him in everything, every day. This is the cry part. Um, I see him when Taylor kisses me every morning and then quickly tells me that she loves me more when she goes into school. I see him as my mom finds the strength to fight through her pain and encourages me to keep doing the same no matter how hard life can be. I see him hundreds of times a day as I've committed my professional career to nursing and caring for others. I didn't go to Guatemala to see God. My reasons were different. Prior to our departure, our team set personal goals for the trip. And after returning, completely numb from everything that I had just experienced, I tried to reflect back on those goals that I had made myself um, the spring, last spring. Three of those goals that I had made really resonated within me. I had set goals to develop intentional relationships in the name of God, to open my eyes wider to God's work wherever it is, and to pay forward my blessings in Guatemala, and maybe even more so when I returned home. While serving God's people, I witnessed team members doing things without even realizing the impact that they had. Dancing and playing with the kids, smiling because the smile breaks through every language barrier that exists, physically carrying the seemingly endless amount of our suitcases through areas that we just don't have in this neck of the woods, I was blessed to be pushed out of every single comfort zone that I knew I had and to be challenged with some new ones as well. I was able to pray for and with others in moments where none of our fancy medical degrees, our social status, or the amount of money in our bank accounts back here in the States had any significance at all. I was able to share a physical space <laughs> with others that I didn't even necessarily know and laugh with them as someone always seemed to forget the toilet paper rules. I found myself not caring that I was sweating from body parts that I scientifically didn't know were capable of sweating. <laughs> and I found myself being exactly where I knew God wanted me to be in every moment. My goals that I had set for myself were far more than met from the 2018 Guatemala trip. I'm home, eyes wider open to God than ever before, with friends near and away, bonded by our relationship with God, and hoping to continue to live my life a bit more intentional each day that I wake in God's grace. I didn't set out to see God, but I did. I didn't travel thousands of miles to do anything other than to serve others and to use the blessings that God has given to me. I set out for sharing my love and came home having experienced God in ways I never imagined. 
and truly feeling that his love is inside me and knowing that through him all things truly are possible. I am very, very blessed, and I thank all of you for all of your support leading up to and throughout our journey. So my word for the trip was love. And that's what comes to mind when someone asks me how our trip was. It was full of love. From the love of God in our team, the love for each other that we had, the love for the people that we saw each day, and the love that the Valdez family had for us and for the people of Guatemala. I was very blessed to be able to experience this trip with my parents and my aunt, who unfortunately is sick today and couldn't make it. Um, I've always heard how big of a part uh, that my parents play on the Guatemala trip, but I had never seen it firsthand like I did this year. My mom is a logistic queen, which I knew, <laughs> but she literally thinks of everything, every possibility. If someone forgot something while they were packing, it was almost a guarantee that she had it in her suitcase <laughs> for that exact purpose. <laughs> She's amazing, but she doesn't like people to know that. She's more of a behind-the-scenes person, and she definitely deserves for people to know. She deserves a round of applause for that, really. <laughs> now, my dad, as many of you know, is a big kid. He will try just about anything at least once and never takes himself too seriously. You should have seen him in the pharmacy. He had the perfect system down to make sure that everyone got what they needed and no one was missed. And the one time it happened, he was beside himself that he had almost missed somebody. 2,000 prescriptions, right? Out, yep, out of 2,000 prescriptions, yep. It was so fun to watch both of them with the kids. Uh, they were out playing ball, blowing bubbles. Um, they were amazing. The bond that they have um, created with the Valdez family and with... The kids, uh, the youngest generation, um, is beautiful. Uh, the, they truly love Sarah, Rakina, Felipe, and Emilio like they are their own, and the kids love them back just as much. The way their faces lit up when they saw each other was something I will never forget. Now, my aunt, April, is a selfless school nurse. This was our second trip together. Uh, we went to Ecuador in 2010 as part of uh, the Hancock County Medical Mission Group. Um, and I've told her that I will be her roommate in a foreign country any day. To see how she fit right into our team and jumped right in with both feet was amazing. And I'm really, really proud of her and how awesome she was as part of our team. At our last night in Antigua, while we were all sitting around the table, laughing and talking, Todd said something that hit me really hard. He said that he couldn't imagine the team or the trip without Bill and Faith. And I didn't understand how big of a part they played until I experienced it. And I can't imagine the trip without them either. This past year has been full of ups and downs for me, and I think this trip was exactly what I needed. It was a healing experience for me, and I'm so glad to have been able to experience it with this group of amazing people that are now family. On our last day, Todd asked me what I thought was different between this trip and the trip I went on in 2010 to Ecuador. 
I told him that it was honestly the fact that when you leave there, you feel like you're part of their family. And it makes it really hard to leave them. From the moment you get to Cairo's house and you meet the Valdez family, you are a part of their family. And let me tell you, that is a family that I am very, very proud to be a part of. They have dedicated their lives to helping the people of Guatemala, and it is something that is so amazing and inspiring. From the grandparents to the grandchildren, it is a family effort. I am very thankful to have been part of this trip and this group, and I'm so thankful to have gained all of you guys as another part of my family now. It took me forever to write something, literally forever. Todd's sending me a message on Wednesday. You still going to speak? Like, okay, I got this. Uh, so for me, the trip to Guatemala, it was amazing. It's hard to even uh, put into words how amazing that it was for me, and I've explained it as... Um, a roller coaster between pure joy and complete heartbreak, and then just everything in between. There were times that my heart was so full, I literally thought it was going to burst. And then, you know, feeling the joy and the laughter and the love, it filled me to the rim. And then there were moments where I had the thought, I would gladly cut off one of my arms if it meant that this would change. I would be happy to live with just one arm if it meant these little children and their families weren't drinking dirty water out of a dirty spigot and getting worms. All the highs and lows were still so raw as I wrote this. As the weeks got closer to the trip, I was getting nervous. And it wasn't for obvious reasons people might think, like the traveling, the diseases, or dangerous situations. I was mostly nervous because I barely knew a single person on my team. Most people that I sat in the meetings with, I hadn't ever spoken more than a couple sen sentences to, if that. I'm a keep-to-myself kind of person, shy actually, and I know everyone on my team is probably shaking their head because that's a little hard to believe. But it's true. Now I lost my place. Ah. I said all that to say, even though I was nervous about not fitting in, it's unbelievable the relationships that were built. I feel like that that was part of God's plan for me in this experience. It's very special. I don't think I've ever hugged so much in such a short time. That experience is new, too. My paper's stuck together. I'm failing. Okay. Um, I love getting to know everyone, and I truly love everybody on my team so much. The van rides were cramped and crowded, but fun. And I got to have special moments with everybody. Coming back to the hotel, just talking after a long day, Wednesday was a breaking point for me, and some of you sat with me while I cried sad tears, and I appreciate you for that. The first day in the villages was really rough for me. I didn't know what to do, and I was still kind of adjusting my feet onto the ground. It was a long walk on rough ground. 
I remember this dad was there with his four kids. And when Gustavo was explaining the medication to him, I looked at this man and he was so intensely listening. You could see on his face how much he loved them. I had a translator help me have a short conversation with him. And he was just a dad doing the best he could. My heart hurt. Days two and three were wow. We were in the same village for both days. And let me tell you, those kids were fun. I miss them so much even right now. Kids are kind of what I do. And I try to keep an open mind about doing different things on the trip than just play with kids. Here's the thing. One, it wasn't just playing with kids. And two, no matter what, it always goes back to what God has called me to do. Some of those kids had me wrapped right around their little fingers. And the boys in that village gave me a run for my money. Henry and Danny so sweet and I'll never forget their faces. It's this point in the trip where I attempted to learn some Spanish. I'm awful, like awful. Um, and this was when I realized there are universal languages that can be spoken no matter what. Music, pictures, laughter and love, and we laughed a lot. The third village was very bittersweet. Um, first, I gave a knee injection. Zero medical experience ever. Um, Doug, could I just walk into a hospital and give a knee injection? No. No. <laughs> but I did it. And for me, that's part of what this trip was about, too, just getting to experience things that I could never experience at home. But I knew the clinics were almost over. That was the day I went to a home visit. The woman was sick and had a teenage boy who reminded me very much of my own son. That made my heartstrings pull even further. To see the inside of a hut put it into more perspective. And it made me have a thought of why not me? Why did I get to be so fortunate and not them? This was my closing thought of the day. I always knew I cared about people in third world countries. But until that trip, I had no idea the capacity of how much I could care and love people that I didn't even know. Meeting the Valdez family was awesome. They're awesome people. I always knew Kairos was important. I knew it was important to the church and that they were doing amazing things. But it wasn't ever personal. Now being there and being a part of it made it personal. If I hadn't gone to Guatemala, I would feel very sad for that girl who didn't get to see herself grow and feel purpose and not just, not just give love, but also receive it. Uh, hi, my name's Abby, and uh, this is my first mission, mission trip. Um, so I went into this not really knowing what to expect. Before the trip, our team met a few times just to discuss what to bring, uh, where we were with donations, and other stuff. But in these little meetings, people said something about not going to into this with any expectations. Because if you were expecting something, you would miss everything else. I think that going in open-minded helped me find where I fit into the team. Me having no medical experience and just being 14... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wouldn't get to spend any time in the clinic. Um, and that's really where I felt God was calling me to serve. But three of those four days, I was in the clinic sitting with Doug. <laughs> he explained 
what he did and why he was asking questions. There was even a boy who had a heart murmur, and he told me what a heart murmur was. No clue what it was. <laughs> um, and he let me listen. But I also got to hang out with kids. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching Melissa because she connected so deeply with kids she did not speak the same language as. Um, uh, it was fun watching her try to get them to line up, <laughs> trying to throw the trash away in exchange for candy, which, <laughs> and then they would just throw the wrapper right back on the ground. <laughs> uh, uh, it was also fun watching them just disregard her directions and hoard around her. Um, uh, but I also liked taking pictures. Um, a lot of these people had been photographed before, or um, they just, oh, where did, what was I going to say? Um, um, but they were just so appreciative of a picture they wouldn't even get to keep. Um, uh, there were teenage boys that would try and hide from the camera. They would poke their head in through the doorway, and I'd try and snap a picture. Um, but they were just so grateful for a picture or an orange and or just even a prayer. And it definitely makes you think about the way we live our lives. Um, I mean, I get angry when the Wi-Fi doesn't work. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and or if it takes too long for my food to arrive at a restaurant. Um, but these people were just so grateful for stuff we don't even think about. And uh, uh, these people, some waited for hours to see us in the hot sun, and uh, I know I definitely complained about the heat maybe once or twice, <laughs> but these people would gladly wait. Um, the last day we were in Antigua, and the hotel was gorgeous, and it was just so beautiful there, but it definitely made me feel just a little bit guilty. Uh, standing there with just looking at all this food when I thought about all the people who didn't have food to eat. Um, but I also had to think that we were here for a reason, and us going was kind of like them getting to stay at a hotel almost. Not really, but like in a way, they were so grateful, and I just wish I could have done so much more. Um, but we also got to do some pretty fun stuff in Antigua. Um, we got to go zip lining, and I think that was one of my favorite parts. Not because we had a cute guide, but because the scenery was just <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but um, zip lining was on my bucket list, and uh, this was more like extreme zip lining. Uh, they just strapped half a coconut to your head, and you just know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, it was really, really an amazing experience. <laughs> uh, but the scenery was just amazing, and it's it's the kind of stuff that you wouldn't be able to see in the States. It's, it was just mo the most breathtaking thing I've ever seen. Um, but this mission trip was definitely life-changing. Um, all of the people I got to share this with are definitely my family now. 
and I want to thank all of my second moms. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> love you too, Ma. <laughs> um, uh, but um, it was just it was just like traveling with family because I definitely got to know some of the people that I hadn't really had many conversations with before. Um, but also I got to like grow closer to people that I had known for a really long time, and uh, I just want to thank them for looking after me. I'm writing about the orange. Orange trees are widely grown in tropical and subtropical climates for their sweet fruit. The fruit can be eaten fresh, processed for its juice, or its fragrant peel. As of 2012, oranges accounted for approximately 70% of citrus production. In 2014, 71 million tons were grown worldwide. A 10-plus page report could be written about the history of the orange from its origins to its many different varieties and uses. Who would have thought that a simple piece of fruit could mean so much? Well, let me tell you from experience, it most definitely can. With a portion of the funds that we pay to go on this trip, the Valdez family buys bulk sacks of fruit, whatever's in season, that we can distribute during lunchtime. What to you and I might be just a piece of fruit, something we take for granted or pass over for something of higher value, to the Guatemalan men, women, and children, it's a real treat. The whole process of handing out the oranges is an experience you don't soon forget. The children will form a line in an orderly fashion and wait patiently to receive their fruit. Once handed an orange, some of the children will immediately start eating it and some will hand theirs to a younger sibling. Others will give them to a parent, probably to enjoy later or to be shared by the entire family. It seems like such a small token to offer them after they've spent the entire morning sitting in the sun waiting to be registered in triage and then go on to yet another line where they wait to be seen by the doctors and or the dentist. Watching them rip the skin away from the sweet fruit, you can sense their anticipation of what awaits them. Some of them can't wait to peel the entire fruit before they take that first taste. I love seeing the looks on, their, on all their precious faces as they get that first taste. It's pure pleasure. We watch them enjoy every bit of their orange as juice dribbled down their chins and made their hands sticky. Receiving this orange is a gift unlike any other. Who knew that eating an orange could be considered an art form? All right, I guess it's my turn. Lucky you. <laughs> Mine is three pages long, but if I hadn't made the font so big, it probably would only been about half a page. So just so you know, don't get worried. I titled mine, Wow. Another trip in the books for Faith and I, our third time down to work with some wonderful people, and this time our daughter, and Jen, our daughter Jen and my sister-in-law, April Chapman which was amazing for me to watch them embrace the whole experience in their own ways. This trip was a totally different one for me, both physically and emotionally. I went into this trip with no expectations for myself, but excited to see what God may have in store for me. 
I think this trip, I, on the, yeah, I think this trip, I was more aware of the world around me with all that is happening in the world. God opens doors for us every day, but we have to be brave enough to walk through them. But before I go there, I need to talk about this team. This group of people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. <laughs> this group of people, hands down, was one of the best I've gone with. They checked their personal lives, problems, egos, etc. at the door and did one thing, and that was love on these people. They showed so much compassion towards the people we served, no matter how young or old, how clean or dirty. You guys showed God's true love to them, and that's what it's all about. I have to say that you were the most punctual group I have ever gone with also. Early, early every time, even at 4 a.m. for a five-hour ride. Everybody did whatever was asked of them without complaint. You guys are a special bunch, and I'm proud to call you my friends, and you will always hold a special place in my heart. On this trip, God opened my eyes to how these people live, or should I say survive, and even that's a stretch. We saw a truckload of men riding towards Honduras, and Francisco was our driver that day, told us that they were more than likely on their way to a coffee plantation to work for three months. During that three-month period, they would not be able to leave to buy clothing, food, or see their families. The plantation has a store, so if you need something, you have to buy it from the plantation. The sad part of this whole thing is, is that they make $150 for three months' work. That's $50 a month. To put it into perspective, I make more in one hour than these men do in one day, in one month. And I get to see my family every night. Think about that for a moment. We saw a child that was two years old and only weighed 15 pounds. My mind was blown by this. How does this happen? Why does this happen? In a world that wastes more food than it can consume, and I'm just as guilty of this as anyone. Then the questions start in my mind. Can they afford food? They can't even afford the ride down the mountain to buy food or go to the health clinic, which the ride down the mountain costs six Qs or 75 cents an American. Then the big question for me is how can I fix this? This question I have no answer for. I just pray that maybe God will show. <laughs> okay, good. To be continued. That's right, that's right, it does. Show me a way of helping more than just going there every other year for four days. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a cut that requires a tourniquet. Gustavo asked us, what is a Christian? I thought this was a great question, and for me, a very hard one to answer. I think every one of us, including myself, needs to think long and hard before answering this question. We saw and heard firsthand why these people feel the need to leave their homes and their families to find a better life here. If you had to live in the conditions they live with every day, you would be leaving too. I can't tell you what's, hap what's happening to them here since there are children in the room, but ask me sometime and I'll tell you the horror that they live with every day. 
please, please don't let the media and the current government run away with your compassion for your fellow man, no matter their race, <laughs> no matter their race, color, etc. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who you are or what you have done. Let's try to do the same for our fellow man. So I think you've all heard a common theme in that we have had a pretty incredible team to go with this time around. And mine is no different. Uh, this team was, in short, one of the most incredible teams I have ever been a part of in any aspect of my life. How do I explain this journey and what I experienced? It is so hard to find the right words to do justice to what God planned for us there. This trip impacted me in such powerful ways that I never thought possible, and it was all wonderfully designed by my Heavenly Father to teach me some valuable lessons in self-awareness and elicit tremendous personal growth. I was awed once again by the rugged beauty of the mountains, struck by the intense poverty around us, moved by the love and service of the Valdez family in their calling, and thoroughly drawn to the people that we served, whose selflessness, patience, and the deep love for family is something to aspire to. Their beautiful faces will forever be imprinted on my heart. The most profound impact for me on this journey was the incredible team that God put together. After our first day on the mountain, I wrote this in my journal. My role and point of view has shifted this trip. It was hard at first, but I could feel it click into place today. My role this time is to support and love my unbelievable team. My job is to stand back, guide, and allow them to grow through this experience and be the hands and feet of Jesus. This realization allowed me to marvel at what God was doing with this team. So many wonderful works were done, so much love poured out to everyone, so much service. It was beautiful. Some of these moments include our team welcoming three unexpected members without hesitation, bringing them into the fold and showing them love and kindness, even when it was hard to do so. All of the love and concern from the team when our sweet Courtney was sick. Uh, the patience, kindness, and mentorship that my daughter experienced in the clinic with Doug, who took her under his wing and reinforced her passion for medicine as a future career. The unconditional love that we poured into each other when heartbreaking situations came our way, especially face hugs. The incredible joy that I saw in the children because Melissa made it her goal to connect with all of them and show them such tremendous love. Seeing Todd step back from leadership and simply interact and make connections with each member of the team. He shared laughter, tears, and a lot of vulnerability that is rarely seen when we are home. Being present to watch, I can't even see. <laughs> Being present to watch Isabella feel such an incredible range <laughs> of emotions every day. I saw her passion, anger, joy, sadness, and guilt, and got to witness her incredible strength and fire. Watching my strong, beautiful Abigail bloom where she was planted. This voyage gave her the opportunity to stretch, grow, feel, share, and do so much unbelievable things. No, do such unbelievable things. Um, she was true to herself and found her own place on this team. Kneeling with April and several others as Roger prayed earnestly for and with a family when there was nothing medically that could be done to help heal them. Our entire team banding around and supporting Celeste, one of our translators, when her child became very ill. These are just a few of the wonders of this team. 
Each one of these magnificent individuals brought their unique talents and shared them without hesitation, both with the Guatemalan people and with each other. The love and support that this team held was miraculous, and we became a true family while we were there. Each one of these magnificent people shared a gift with me that touched my life so deeply and forged changes in me that are lasting. I will sum up my thoughts with a verse from Scripture. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can put that in there, thing over. I want to say thank you to all the team members that, that shared this morning and those that felt like it was time for them to let someone else uh, speak. Uh, thanks to everybody who was a, a part of that team. I'm, we're running a little bit long because some people deviate from their notes. But, and I haven't even spoken yet, so, so it won't me. Um, but everything that has been said needed to be said, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. So thank you for hanging with us for a few extra minutes because I just want to share my thoughts on this. And I... I'm, I'm naturally a problem solver, um, but the problems that we've seen in Guatemala over the last five years um, don't have a quick fix. Uh, they didn't happen overnight, uh, and they won't be fixed overnight either. Um, not probably this week, not this year, and probably not for the next couple generations. So for me, I had to get honest about that, because yeah, we talked a lot about this, like how can, what can be done to fix this? Uh, we had to choose, uh, for me, I had to choose not to focus on how to fix something that I don't have the power to fix. Because for me, I realized that I have a, I, I am responsible for whatever influence I have, um, for whatever opportunities I have. And for me, I'm, I'm convinced it needs to begin in the way that I see other humans, regardless of man-made lines on a map. I want to learn to see every person, whether I interact with them personally or I see them on TV or whether I see them begging outside of Walmart, um, I want to learn to see them as someone who has innate value simply because the breath in their lungs was breathed into them by their Heavenly Father. This needs to dictate the way that I lead our church in how I live in our community. It needs to guide the way that I teach, the way that I prioritize my time, uh, the way that I vote, the way that I talk about my political views, the way that I read my Bible and apply scripture. The idea that people have value, not because I decide they have value, but because they bear the image of God. Some of our team members have mentioned um, the, uh, that we got to do a couple of home visits, which was a new thing for us. Um, Doug described, um, in our talking about that experience that night, he described, um, he just described it as an unimaginable existence, living in constant darkness. Uh, Carrie said something when we were talking about that experience that will stick with me for a long time. After spending uh, time in this incredibly primitive shelter, where I, we couldn't take pictures because it was too dark. Uh, they, but they called this home. And watching Doug and Isabella do their best to serve this lady's, uh, her physical needs, and respectfully all of us, the rest of us backing out of the space while Isabella, on her knees in front of this lady, prayed with her. Um, I think Carrie put into words what we uh, were also humbled, humbled by. She said, God did not create us to live life in the darkness. Uh, 
We just witnessed someone uh, because of her paralysis and because of lack of access of some of those, to some of the most basic medical care. She was literally, literally living in the dark. We may not see much of that on a literal level around here, uh, certainly not to that extreme uh, with the people that, you know, that we know and that we live with and that we do life with. But I just want to encourage you that God did not create us to live life in the darkness. God didn't create the people that you know and love, the people you see but don't know or interact with. He didn't create any of us to live life in the dark. And the truth is, that greatest human need, whether we're talking about people living in extreme poverty in developing nations, or whether we're talking about the most affluent right here in our community, the greatest need is to come out of spiritual darkness and to live in the light that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. So just a few weeks ago on Christmas Sunday, right here in this space, we read the words of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah when he was telling of the coming of Jesus. And he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Here's the good news. There's no need for any of us to live in that kind of deep spiritual darkness, the darkness of the soul. We're the ones on whom the light has dawned. So let's commit together as a church. Let's commit to being the light. Let's commit to bringing light into dark places, let's commit to bringing light to those still living in darkness. I want to say thank you to a handful of people. I want to say thank you to the church. I want to say thank you on behalf of our team. Um, your support, just your moral support, your financial support, things like prayer shawls and the lap blankets and all the clothes and the school supplies and buying every last thing on our Amazon wish list, uh, the financial support during the Continental Breakfast, just your words of encouragement, your prayers throughout the week. All of the, we don't take any of that for granted, and so we say thank you uh, to the church for making all that possible. I'm just, like so many, I guess like every member of this team, I'm proud to have played a part on this team, to work together with people like these um, and the people you're going to see in the pictures, all the preparation, the many, many, many conversations and emails, the team meetings, the budgeting, the financial side, the travel planning. Um, and then for the most part, for me to just stand back and watch this team do what they do, to spring into action, everyone finding their place, serving together, supporting one another, being fully present in the experience, processing together at the end of each day uh, after supper, that, that time in that, well, in that awesome dining pavilion that the 2014 team built, uh, and just worshiping that way together in, in celebrating what God has done. Um, sitting around for many hours in airports, uh, the time in the back of a pickup truck before and after a soccer game, uh, the, those van rides that seem to last forever. Picture 12 of us Americans in a minivan. That's kind of what it, how it works. Um, the members of this team have been impacted in ways that will never leave them, and, uh, and we're humbled and grateful for the opportunity to serve together. We're hoping to make this trip happen again in a couple of years' time. If everything uh, on the ground in Guatemala make, allows that to happen, pray for that country. They're in chaos. They've spent most of the last 60 years in chaos. Had a little, little break for a few years in the, in this, in the last, within the last 10, but it's, uh, it's not a healthy uh, environment right now, and the government's upside down. So let's pray that... Uh, God will bring uh, peace and some structure and some uh, morality to the people who lead. 
Um, so we hope that uh, we're able to go again a couple years' time. You'll hear more about that a year from now. In the meantime, be praying about the role you can play. The role you can play is to offer encouragement, to put a few bucks in the thing while you eat some um, you know, muffins on a Sunday morning. We appreciate that. If it's time for you to be a part of a team like this, uh, be praying about the preparation God wants to do in you. So we're going to watch some pictures. I said we're about, we're about well, we're a few minutes late. Um, we're going to watch some pictures for about 13 minutes, okay? And uh, they're going to fly by, and we're going to play them afterwards, and they'll be available online too. Uh, we're going to do this, though. We're going to get rid of these stools, and uh, we're going to set the lights. and.